Hi there, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. Last time I began looking at the cross, and today I want to continue on looking at worshipping the cross. Today, many people wear crosses or crucifixes around their neck, or they adorn their churches, homes, and cars with crucifixes, believing this is a Christian thing to do. They believe they are worshipping the Lord by this practice, and that it is somehow a holy and righteous thing to do. However, the information provided in my last session from Alexander Hislop's book, The Two Babylons, shows that these practices are exactly the same as what the pagans did. They adorned their religious places of worship with the cross and carried crosses on necklaces around their necks. Looking at what the Bible says, there is no biblical or scriptural basis for this practice. In fact, there are many reasons in the Bible why we should not do this. Let's now consider just a few of these reasons. First, under the Old Covenant, the second of the Ten Commandments stated that you shall not make for yourself a graven image or an idol and worship it. This is what it says. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. What is a crucifix? especially where it has an artist representation of the dead or dying Christ upon it. Isn't it an idol or a graven image? This is exactly the kind of thing that the law forbade the people from doing. And no one can argue that the crucifix, with or without an image of Christ upon it, is anything but a thing of worship. But it is not of God. Second, we know that in the death of Jesus, we have been set free from the law. So since we are no longer under the law, someone may argue that the Ten Commandments do not apply. But do we reject the wisdom of God that he laid down in the law just because it no longer applies? And can we do the opposite of God's law and expect to be accepted by him? No, we cannot, as Paul rightly stated. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Romans chapter 3 verse 31. Just because we are no longer under the law does not mean we overthrow and reject it. Rather, we learn from the law because it contains the wisdom of God and shows the minimum standard of righteousness that he expects. The law is holy, just and good, but we needed to be set free from the law to overcome sin because sin is the breaking of the law. But in the law, we find wisdom. And so we keep the just requirements of the law, even though we are not under it, because what the law says is the right thing to do. Take another law as an example. Thou shalt not kill. This also is one of the Ten Commandments, which we are no longer bound by, since Jesus set us free from the law. Does this mean we can reject conscience and reject what is right in the eyes of man and God and go out and kill someone for any reason? Of course not. 
So why would anyone think that they can reject the rest of the wisdom in God's law, including the second commandment to not have idols? We may not be under the Ten Commandments, but we do not reject them. We do not worship idols or participate in idolatry because God hates idolatry. But let us also look at what else the cross, the tree, timber or stake actually represents. It is the method of torture by which the Lord was put to death. Even from a logical standpoint, it does not make sense that this should be the object of worship for Christianity. But aside from that alone, there is a deeper issue relating to this matter that strikes at the very heart of Christianity. Freedom from law. I have already mentioned above that Jesus freed us from the Old Testament law. That is generally accepted by many Christians, even though they often do not understand it. But where does the law stand for Christians now that Christ has set us free? Paul gives us an insight into this in the following verse. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having cancelled the bond that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And note, the word cross is translated from storos in Greek and should be stake. Verse 14 there shows us that there was a bond standing against us and this bond had legal demands. Anything of a legal nature pertains to the law. We know that all of mankind was born under the bondage of the law and remain there until they come to Christ who removes the bondage of the law. So what we see here is that in Jesus' death, this bond of the law was nailed to the cross or the stake when he died. Jesus passed through death and was resurrected into a new life, but the law could not pass through death and so remained nailed where it was. We know also that the law does not pass beyond death. For Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 1, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? Romans chapter 7, verse 1. So when Jesus set mankind free from the bondages of sin and the bondage of the law, he left the law nailed to the cross or to the stake. Is it realistic to believe then that the Lord would choose an object of suffering that also represents where he left the law after setting us free from it as being the mark, emblem, symbol or object of worship for his church? So ask the question, who do you worship? There are some that say we do not worship the cross or stake, but we worship him who was on the cross or stake. But is this true? Jesus died on the stake, and what we see on it is not who Jesus is or was, but a dead body. Instead, we really worship the risen Christ, not the dead body of Jesus nailed on that implement of torture. As Christians, we know that you cannot visit the tomb of the founder of our faith like some other religions do, because Jesus lives. Jesus rose from the dead to give us life, and while it was through his death that he became the perfect sacrifice for our sins, it is in his resurrection that we receive life. So is it reasonable to use a representation by the imagine of an artist that may look nothing like the real saviour as an object of worship? So let me just summarise everything I'm talking about with this cross. 
There is no biblical precedent for worshipping the cross or using the cross as an object of worship, nor to use it as the symbol for Christianity. In fact, there are good reasons why we should not use it or any other object, including fish signs and so on, as representations of Christianity or as objects of worship. The law prohibited using representations of things, calling it idolatry. And even though we are not under the law in Christ, we do not ignore the law, for it is the wisdom of God. God hated and still hates idols and idolatry. He even punished the children of Israel, who were God's favoured people, when they created the golden calf and bowed down to it after leaving Egypt. Because of their idolatry, God spoke to Moses saying he would wipe out all of Israel and make a new nation from the descendants of Moses. And you can read that in Exodus chapter 32. This is how much God hated idolatry. The evidence above also shows that the cross was used in the idolatrous rites of pagan worship, especially in the worship of Tammuz. Would God choose a pagan idol, the cross, as the symbol for his Christian church? I think not. At Christ's death, he left the law nailed to the stake that he was killed upon. It is illogical then to consider that he would suggest that such a device of torture, with the law attached to it, should then be the representation of his church, especially as he rose from the dead and set us free from the law. The object of our worship is the risen Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, and who is very much alive, not a dead body. So to use a representation of a dead person nailed to a cross is to misrepresent whom we worship and why. Our worship is in the life of Jesus, and his promise to us is life, not death. The depiction of the dead Christ on a cross is an idol, and we must reject all forms of idolatry. As for those who use the empty cross, indicating that Jesus was resurrected and is no longer dead, then the cross is still just another idol. And finally, the Greek and Hebrew words leave no doubt that it was not a cross upon which Jesus died. There is no doubt he was nailed to a wooden edifice, but the literal interpretation of the Greek and Hebrew words would suggest it was a stake and not a cross. With all of this evidence, I can see no justification in Scripture, in Greek, in the law, or in logic as to why we should use the cross to represent Christianity, let alone any other symbol. The bottom line is we do not need to use anything to represent our worship of the Lord. Our worship is a spiritual worship, and we need to worship God in spirit and truth as Jesus taught. The best advice I can give as to how we should worship is by using the words of Jesus himself. In John chapter 4, when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, they discussed the places and objects of worship of the Jews and Samaritans. Note this in John chapter 4, verses 20 to 24. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John chapter 4, verses 20 to 24. Although both the Jews and Samaritans had places and objects of worship, 
Jesus showed that both would become meaningless and irrelevant after the new covenant was ratified. He said we must worship in the spirit and truth, which removes the need for any physical representations created by man for the purpose of worship. We do not need a crucifix, or incense, or fancy robes, or special headwear, or golden staffs and rods, or anything else. Our worship is spiritual, and what we need for worship is the Spirit of God and a heart to obey the Lord in all things. Finally, although I have used the words cross and stake, I do not believe Jesus was put to death on a cross. I believe the cross was introduced into the Christian church some three to four centuries after his death. It is pagan in origin and should be rejected totally by Christians. So that's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless.